This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making it an ultra processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you might choose to go someplace by yourself and discuss a listener's easy, clever reminder system. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, outer order, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, my sister, the sage, That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I definitely feel that doing this podcast has made me wiser. Thank you. (laughs) Well, before we jump in, we have an interesting update from our listener, Donna. Yeah, she said, in 2018, I listed more music for one of my 18 for 18. I wasn't sure how it would play out, but I began being more mindful of ways to have more music again in my life. I had been in two singing groups in high school, a traveling choir in college, played several instruments, etc. in my former life before mom and professional. As the kids left home, I was having a bit more time. I wanted to join a choir, but at the same time, my mom suffered worsening dementia, had a stroke, and was wheelchair and assisted living bound. I started traveling three to four hours a week to see her. I tried to make our visits meaningful, but we stopped having things to talk about despite including her table mates and favorite things they have done in their past. One day while attending a funeral, I noticed how rich the words were in the carefully chosen hymns. My next visit, I asked each of my mom's table mates what their favorite hymn was. From that conversation, I decided to volunteer to have a hymn sing once a month for the residents that were interested. Funny thing, one pastor at the assisted living said, I can't sing, but I love hearing the old hymns. And he sits and listens, sometimes singing a few. Others who seem very quiet will perk up to sing an old favorite. They often know the words. My mom has always loved to hear me play. In fact, as a teen, she would let me off dishwashing duty if I practice my piano. Effective idea, parents. 
I was aware that I am not that great of a hymn player, but my spouse reminds me, you're much better than the concert pianist who isn't there. (laughs) We always end with the non-hymn, You Are My Sunshine, the most sung song in any music event of the facility. So who knew that my more music at 18 would result in me practicing almost daily again and playing hymns at an assisted living? I mean, That's I, so nice. I love this because it solves, it, it, it achieves so many purposes all at once. Um, yes. For her, for these other, for her mother, for other people who she didn't even set out to help, she's found a way. I mean, it's interesting. I Reading um, her note, I reminded me of some research that I'd read, and I actually looked up, and I will post a link to a New York Times article that talks about this research, that... Um, Research shows that even when all other means of communications have shut down, people respond and remember music. And Mm. apparently music memory lasts better than verbal memory because it's processed across many parts of the brain. And so it's stored in more locations. Um, And so this uh, this is a great way to reach people who maybe... Or ha- don't do have trouble speaking and communicating that way, but who can respond to the sound of music and to the words of a song. Yeah, and I just want to point out her um, saying that she was more mindful about ways to incorporate it just points out how if something's on your brain, yes. um, it helps you uh, just be aware of it and incorporate it into life, which is why um, the 18 for 18 and 19 for 19 lists are so great to begin with. Yeah, exactly. And sort of relatedly, we talked um, about invest in your identities. And in the responses we got, many people talked about identities related to music, sort of like she's saying, I had this very strong identity when I was in high school and college, and it sort of fell away. It's interesting to me how many people mention music-related identities. And maybe it's because as children, there's so much structure around it, because it's like you have to take piano lessons. And then in high school and college, there's all these kind of set groups to join. But as adults, it's not really as prevalent. It's kind of like athletics, where... It's very structured when you're younger, but then as when you're older, you have to um, you have to make your opportunities. But I feel like there's a lot more discussion in kind of popular culture about the importance of exercise than there is mm. kind of reminding people to return to music. And so this is a good example of um, yeah, think about it if this is something that's important to you. Have it on your mind. Look for ways to incorporate it. You may surprise yourself by finding these opportunities that you didn't know existed. Yes. Um, So heading into our try this at home tip, Elizabeth, this comes from you. Um, And this is the try this at home tip to go someplace by yourself. What inspired you to come up with this try this at home? Yeah, well, Gretchen, um, recently I went by myself to a self-care day. It Mm. was led by uh, my doctor, um, my OBGYN. Um, and she had, you know, said, oh, you should come. I'm having this self-care workshop. It was a one-day thing, like 10 to 5. Um, and I decided to go because I wanted to, one, support her, and two, you know, self-care is important. Yeah, especially for um, obligers. Obligers struggle with, the, yes. with self-care. Yes. So I just decided to go by myself. Um, which can be a little intimidating. Um, but you know what was interesting? So I showed up at this event. I knew nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I ended up really talking and bonding with some people who were at the event, one of whom, um, this really cool woman named Lauren, um, and I think I may have mentioned her on the podcast before, um, but it turned out we were both type 1 diabetics, which, you know, you don't often meet type 1 diabetics. I mean, of course, there's many of us, but, you know, it's relatively rare. So it's always, I don't want to say exciting to meet one, but sort of exciting. Yeah. Um, And I was telling her that my word of the year was six. um, And she said, that's going to be my word. Mm. And we decided to be accountability partners. And so we've been texting each other about the word six and how we're doing. Um, And so what my realization was, was that had I gone, like, had I dragged Sarah there, which was probably my usual move. Yeah. (laughs) um, (laughs) I, but I just knew she couldn't go. Yeah. Um, I never would have had the conversations that I had because I really realistically would have just talked to Sarah like during lunch or yeah. during breaks. Because I was by myself, I was motivated to talk to the people around me. And I ended up having these really great conversations. Right. Well, I think that the the thing to ask yourself is, is there something that I often do with other people or... I don't do it all because other people aren't interested, but that if I went by, if I felt like I could go by myself, either I would have a different experience doing something because it's different when you're by yourself than when you're with other people, or maybe I will feel like I can go and do this thing by myself, even though other people don't want to do it. It's like, it doesn't matter. I don't need other people to cooperate. I don't need other people to be enthusiastic. I just want to go. um, Maybe Sarah doesn't have time for this. Doesn't matter. I can go anyway. And so I think sometimes people feel like, well, if I don't have somebody to go with, why would I go? It's like, well, you'll have a very different experience, um, which could be great. Yes. Yeah. And it's also just it because you kind of have your thoughts, you're a little more present. Um, yes. There's something about doing something by yourself that I think makes it more impactful. Yeah. Um, d- just because everything is sort of heightened. Yes. Um, you know, and a lot, some people don't like doing things by themselves. It doesn't really bother me. I'm okay with my discomfort. Um, like I'll go to a party by myself yeah. and I just know I might be uncomfortable here, but I'll get through it. Now, do you ever go to movies by yourself? All the time. I you would too. say at least, ha- yes, I would say at least half the movies I see, I go by myself. I did not like, know that. Really? Yes, like I'll go to an 11 a.m. Friday opening of a movie if it's something I really want to see, like Sex in the City uh-huh. um, that I know Adam's probably not interested in. Yeah. Um, I love going to movies by myself. I have to say, it just wouldn't occur to me. To me, it's like a social thing. But I mean, and I guess there's no movie that I'm so dying to see that I'm like, I'm just going to go. I did not know that about you. That is really interesting. You know what I used to do, Gretchen, before um, I had a Jack, is I would go to Benihana for lunch by myself. Ah. Because you know I love my Benihana. Yes. And um, I would go with a... um, you know, a magazine, and I would just go by myself to Benihana and and enjoy. Well, one thing I noticed is, like, like if you go to a museum or an exhibit or to the park or or even something like shopping, it adds something to have somebody there, but it also detracts certain things. Like, like I I often, like, if there's a person there, I tend to be very much more focused on the person than whatever else is happening. And sometimes that's fine, but then sometimes you're like, well, I really want to, as you say, you take it in in a more intense way because there's nothing to distract you. 
And it's interesting, like, Alyssa, because you love bitch sesh so much. You love, love, yes. love, love, love bitch sesh. And I don't know anything about The Real Housewives, but I know that you said that they give a great show. And because we're doing our own live shows, I was like, I want to go experience their show. And there was nobody in my life who wanted to go see right. Bitch Sesh with me, even <laughs> yeah. though I think it would be a tremendously fun thing to go. So I went by myself, and I do think I analyzed it more. I think I would have just mm. enjoyed it, like, you know, like, ha right. this is so fun. But I was like, how are they handling the crowds? How are they doing the transitions? How yeah. are they using their notes? How are they incorporating music? How, you know, and, and, and so I got something very different. I would have enjoyed it both ways. It's just like being in nature. You enjoy it both ways, but you, but you enjoy it differently if there's somebody there. And so it's just good to remember... I could have a different experience if I did it a different way. Yes. And the other thing is um, some people actually, Gretchen, take trips by themselves. Yeah. I would like I've never done that. Well, I travel all the time by myself, but I don't feel like that counts. I mean, that's work travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to do a writer's trip where like if Mm -hmm. I when I'm in an intense writing period, I would go and just like write all day and just be myself, be by myself in a beautiful new place. I think that would be really fun. Uh, it's funny because I think of you as taking trips by yourself all the time, but I guess you're saying because someone else is sort of organizing it, maybe it doesn't feel like a solo trip in the same way. It just feels like, oh, yeah, I'm going on a work trip. It doesn't it doesn't have any kind of air to it. It's interesting, though, because, you know, I think some people are starved for solitude, and so doing something by yourself can be a way to get solitude. Mm-hmm. Um or they're tired of coordinating. I mean, one thing that is like one yeah. of the secrets of adult life is you spend so much of your time just coordinating. Like, what yes. time should we go? What time should we leave? What works for you? What's the day? What Friday or Saturday? You know, I mean, it's just like a lot of times things are just like, oh, it's just be easier not to do it at all because I can't face the coordination. So the nice thing about going yes. by yourself is you just suit yourself. If you're like, I'm an yes. early riser. I'm going to do this at 7 a.m. It's like, you yes. can. Um, or if you're like, oh, I have two hours free. I can just go right now. I don't have to coordinate. And that there's tremendous um, kind of freedom that can come from that. Absolutely. Coordinating is very wearing. So I I um, applaud anything that cuts down on coordinating. Well, here's something that's an interesting thing to whether people go by themselves or with someone else is reunions. Like I'm a huge fan mm. of reunions, my college reunion, mm. my law school reunion, my high school reunion. Um, and I almost always go by myself. I, Jamie sometimes has come sometimes, but not that many of the times. Um, and I think it's just different. You know, with your your spouses there or not. Yeah, I think for me, a reunion is definitely more fun on my own. Now, I don't know if that counts on your own because you get there and you're surrounded by people you know and you're kind of with people. But for sure, like going to a reunion and not having to kind of worry about your spouse and make sure they're having fun, I think is, is easier and more fun than going with somebody. But, you know, I think that depends on your personality. Like, I think if Adam went to his reunion, he would want me to go. Yeah, Jamie always wants me to go to his reunions. And his reunions are really fun. I think maybe it also has to do with, like, how connected are you to the, those people versus, right. you know. But again, the, the the larger thing is just remember this is, an oper- this is a possibility. I think some people sort of forget I could have a different experience. If I go by myself, it'll be different. It might be better. It might be worse. Might be, it'll just be different. And so it's something to think about. You might want to do something yeah. by yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I wanted to go to the self-care day, and I went. And because I wasn't worried about going with someone, I was able to follow my desire. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. And you made a friend. Yes. Let us know if you tried this at home and how going someplace alone has worked out for you. 
Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. Go to happiercast.com slash 222 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack that will help you remember something. But first, this break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, Elizabeth, this happiness hack is related to remembering to do stuff. And I feel like a huge part of my day is just remember to do that. Remember to do that. Where are my AirPods? Where's my, you know, where's my, where's my phone? It's on a bandolier, but yet, like, where's the whole thing? Um, and this is a great way to make sure that we don't forget something important. Yes, this comes from Marika. She says, use your car keys as a reminder. When I have something important that I need to remember to do or to take somewhere, I use my car keys as a cue. For example, if I plan to go on a run after work and am too tired to go downstairs and carry my packed gym bag to the car the night before, I place my car keys in the gym bag. That way I can't leave for work without remembering to grab the bag. Or if I run to the grocery on my lunch hour and stash my cold groceries in the work fridge, I put my car keys in the fridge too. <laughs> Thus, I won't leave work without remembering to bring my groceries home. Coworkers laugh when they see my <laughs> keys sitting in the refrigerator, but it's a guarantee that I won't leave work without the groceries. Um, well, this is a great idea, Gretchen. And I do something similar, ah. um, which is I'll like 
plug in my phone and place it on top of whatever I need to take. So mm. like, I'm always trying to remember to bring Jenny Craig food with me to work, mm-hmm. um, which I can't take them out of the refrigerator. The car keys would be a good trick for that. Yeah. But I'll like place my phone on top of a bag that will remind me that I need to take food. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's the car key, your phone, your wallet, whatever it is, you just put it in a place so that you're like, I know I'm not going to leave without this. The car key is good because you could forget your wallet, but you're not going to drive yes. off without your car key. Yes. It's like that yes. is the essential thing. Um, it reminds me, do you remember way, way back there was an airplane? We were doing uh, travel hacks. The hack was take a pair of the shoes that you need to wear out of the hotel, like your work shoes, and and put it in, put one of the shoes in the safe so that you do, mm. you remember to empty out the safe because you can't walk out of the hotel with only yes. one shoe. And so it'll yes. force you to. So it's this idea of like pick something that is like the, you know, the absolutely essential thing yes. and put it next to the thing. I do this with Jamie Steiner. like if I have paperwork that he needs to take to the office for some reason, I will put it in. He has kind of a clip on his wallet. I will put it mm. on that clip so that if he picks yeah. up his wallet. Now, often he will take the papers out and leave them on the chest of drawers <laughs> in our front hall and just walk off with a wallet. But but at least I know that he has done that consciously. He hasn't just right. like not realized that the papers were for him. Because if I put a note on it, like, Jamie, take this to the office, he probably wouldn't even notice it. But if it's clipped to his wallet, yes. I know he's going to grab his wallet. Yes. And I think this is a good example of a, of a big overarching principle, which is don't work on yourself. Work on your environment. Because mm-hmm. very often what we say is we say things to ourselves like, what's wrong with me that I'm so forget- forgetful? Like, I need to remember better. Like, why can't I just get it together? Why, you know, why do I keep forgetting this? Like, there's something wrong with me. Instead, say like, okay, I'm having trouble remembering bringing my groceries from, from, from work to home. How do I create a situation or an environment or, uh, you know, a set of habits that's going to help me remember what I need? There's nothing wrong with you. It's just like set things up so that it's mm-hmm. easy for you to achieve your aim. Um, you don't need to be fixed. You just need to fix your surroundings. So thank you, Marika, for that great tip. I'm going to use that, the car keys. And Alison, this is a happiness stumbling block that I've thought about a lot. Um, And it's the stumbling block of really wanting to make meaningful conversation with a child who's important to you and not really knowing how to do that. You have every good intention in the world and you just you kind of can't figure out how to talk to this kid. Yeah, because sometimes kids are chatterboxes and they'll just talk. But a lot of kids, you really have to pull information out of them and they're not very forthcoming and it can be hard to connect. Uh, Um, Now, I've noticed you really connect with Jack. Yes, I really connect with Jack. And I will tell you why, because I figured it out. And I think this works with Jack and it works with every child. And I was so excited, which is, and it's so obvious when you think of it, which is, don't talk to them about what you're interested in. Talk to them about what they're interested in. And Jack, I think, is very typical for most children in that he's incredibly articulate and engaged and funny and has a lot to say when, when we're talking about something that he's interested in. But a lot of times the kind of things that I'm interested in, like, what are you studying in science? He's like, eh, I don't want to talk about that. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. what is he interested in? And sometimes you have to cast about until you kind of hit that rich ore. But... I think a lot of times adults don't think like, well, what does this child feel like talking about? Right. Yeah. Right. Because like take Jack, for instance, he can talk for a long time about Minecraft. He's really interested in Minecraft. 
I'm not interested in Minecraft. Yeah. Um, but I have to remember that, you know, I he doesn't necessarily want to talk about what I want to talk about. Right. So it's like meeting them yeah. where they live makes perfect sense. Well, I think especially if it's like with me and Jack, like I don't see him that often. So I'm not deeply embedded in his everyday life. I can't make conversation on that like very, very specific level. So it, it really has to be about something, you know, that's interesting um, it kind of as a, as a subject. Yes. And some kids like, for instance, want to talk about baseball stats. Yeah. yeah. And even if you don't know anything about baseball, you can still ask some questions about baseball. I mean, everyone loves to be asked questions. Yes. So like, let's say the child wants to talk about Minecraft, even if you know nothing about it, you can say, well, what's the objective of Minecraft? Yes. What are you trying to do? Do you, do you get killed in Minecraft? Do you, you know, whatever. And then they can answer questions and they can feel like an expert. Yes. Um, they can educate you. And it is a really good way to connect. Now, the funny thing, Gretchen, is when you and I were discussing this subject, um, I, my thought was, well, this works equally well for adults. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So many things where you're like, this works with kids. It's like it works for adults or things that work for adults work for children too. This is just a principle of like human interaction. People like to talk about what they're interested in. And yes. you're going to have much more success connecting with somebody if you take that into account rather than constantly thinking like, well, what do I feel like talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's remarkably difficult to do. It is. Um, well, I was trying to think of um, like if you need a broad question to kind of try to find that. And sometimes you can say, well, what are you doing for fun these days? Or mm. like, what's your favorite TV show? Or what's a great movie? Sometimes I'll be like, if I know that there's some like big thing that happened in kid culture, I'll be like, what did you think of the new blah, blah, blah? And then it's like either they liked it or they didn't like it. But um, but I think once you find that topic that they care about, then you go deep. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, you'll sit and talk about Star Wars with Jack for a good half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we've talked a lot about Update, you know, which was our mother's idea about how you send like the boring emails about just like mm -hmm. the, the minutiae of our days. And I feel like one of the one of the reasons that Update is helpful, I think probably particularly for our parents, is that then they they are able to kind of say like, oh, I, I heard that you had a big Halloween parade at, at school. What was that like? Because right. it gives you ideas for possible topics. And then it's like you either go deep into the Halloween parade or like I, one if thing I'm interested. The problem is a lot of times kids just aren't interested in talking about what happened to them. They aren't there. But here's one thing that was this just as an aside with Jack, like. I was fascinated by how his school is just like literally architecturally different from my children's school because of the weather. Like he doesn't have a lunchroom. Right. This blew my mind. Yeah. And it blew his mind and it blew my mind. And he was really, <laughs> we had a super interesting conversation, him just telling me like, how do we do this? How do we do that? Like just physically. Yeah. And that was like perfect because it was like, clearly he, both of us were like, this is like, how is this? We had no idea what this was like. Um, but it was sort of, it was only because I was paying attention to like what kinds of things we could follow up on. Yes. So it's all about finding what's interesting to that person. Well, and here's the dark side of that, which is remember what seems like idle conversation to you could be upsetting to someone else. This is like the classic mm. thing, like, you know, now, is math getting any easier? It's like, that is not a fun mm. question for someone to talk about. Like, you don't, you're mm -hmm. not even that interested. You're just saying it because you're like, oh, I remember this kid was having trouble in math. To you, this seems like I'm just making a conversation. But right. to them, it's very unpleasant to think about or like might make them feel very sensitive. 
I remember when Eliza was applying for colleges, one of her friends, their senior year, she had a phone case that had a huge sign on it that said, don't ask me about the college application process. Oh, that's And she would just flash it. Because as an adult, you're like, how's it going? Or what's your first choice? And it's like, you don't realize, like, they don't want to talk about it for the most part. Like, don't just idly bring it up. They don't want to talk about it. So what do they want to talk about? What do they not want to talk about? For adults and children alike. For adults and children alike. Think about <laughs> think about who you're talking to. Okay, and now it's time for a listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can send us a voice memo to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And this comes from Jen. She says, I attended Gretchen's book tour stop in D.C. last September. During the question and answer session, Gretchen commented, obligers may feel as if the other tendencies are taking advantage of them because they are. (laughs) A nervous laugh spread through the crowd. Clearly, lots of upholders, questioners, and rebels realized the jig was up. This comment hit close to home, and I've been thinking about it for the past year. I am an obliger married to a questioner and have three teen-slash-tween children, two questioners and one rebel. As a typical obliger, I'm quick to drop whatever I am doing to attend to their requests, even though it has a significant impact on my schedule and ability to complete my professional projects. I work from home. If my actions were reciprocated by my family, I wouldn't be writing this. I find it a daily battle to keep my cool when questioned or ignored by family members every time I ask for help with household routines and chores. The household expectations have been clearly spelled out to everyone, but often these tasks are left for me. All the time spent helping my family and picking up the slack around the house eats into the time I have set aside for work. I feel overwhelmed, underappreciated, and frustrated by the inability to complete my work. Many days I lose my cool and experience full-on obliger rebellion. I have retaken the Four Tendencies quiz multiple times because it seems abnormal for an obliger to experience rebellion so frequently. However, it always affirms I am an obliger. What advice do you have for an obliger mom who wants to continue to nurture her non-obliger family while avoiding the pitfalls of being taken advantage of by non-obliger family members? Well, Gretch, I mean, this is an amazing question. Yes, yes, it goes, I have so many thoughts. Um, First of all, it's quite normal for an obliger to have many, many, many episodes of obliger rebellion. In fact, there are some obligers who are basically in pervasive, permanent obliger Mm. rebellion. That is not the same thing as being a rebel. At all. Um, but obliger rebellion can be very, very extensive and, ve- and like a very big uh, aspect. So that's one thing. But so, and here's the thing I would say, and this is the obvious thing from Jen's question, which is other tendencies expect you to draw the lines yourself. They will not hold back from asking. They are mm. going to say no. They would say no if, you, if they didn't want to do it, and they are saying no. And they expect you to say no. So you can't say to them, like, you should not say no. You shouldn't ask because they are going to be like, well, you should say no. You know, that, that's mm, the different perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say always, 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 if you are an obliger, the answer is outer accountability. What is the outer accountability? Because here it's like I'm making expectations. Other people aren't meeting them, so I have to do what they're not doing. It's like, what is your outer accountability for drawing boundaries and saying no? Like you could say to yourself, if I go into obliger rebellion, that's not good for anybody. So I need to, re- mm. I need to not do these tasks um, mm-hmm. in order that I don't go into obliger rebellion because that's not good for everyone. So it's my duty as a family member not to fall into obliger mm-hmm. rebellion. Or um, it's my duty to my children 
to enforce the idea that they have to contribute to a household. And so mm, I have to like yes. not do these tasks because they have to learn that they have to contribute, you know? Yes, that's a good one. Um, well, and Gretchen, you always, it's kind of um, ta- a tangent, but you talk about the problem of shared work. Uh, yes. Which this, uh, tendencies aside, this is also a shared work issue. Absolutely. This is shared work. This is the tendencies coming up against shared work. I am so interested in the problems of shared work. I will link to a post that I wrote about the problems of shared work. But in a nutshell, the thing about shared work is don't do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If it's somebody else's job, don't do it. If they're if you're doing it, that works for them. Like, why should they? And remember, she's got a lot of questioners around her. Questioners are always like, why should I? And you're like, you need to clean out the basement this weekend. They're going to be like, why this weekend? That's an arbitrary date. Why should we clean out the basement? Nobody ever is, is ever down there. You know, why should I do it? Why can't we hire somebody to do it? Why, 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 why? It's like, because they need to know why. So if it's a questioner, mm. you need to explain why the basement, why this weekend. They will get on board so much better if you give them justifications. As an obliger and as an upholder, you may feel like, I don't want to have to explain myself. I want you to just do it because, like, I'm the mom or whatever. It's like, that's not good enough for a questioner. You need to have reasons. Um, a rebel, let them do their work in their own way. They like to be spontaneous. It's like, if you want to do this at 2 a.m., okay. You know, like, if you want to do this mm. at the last minute, that's fine. I would feel better if you did it the day before, but that's my preference. I'm going to let you. So you want to take their tendency into account. But the bottom line is, if it's somebody else's job, don't do it. Mm. Because if it is getting done, that works really well for other people. But again, to your point, don't think you can just say to yourself, I'm not going to do yes. it. You have to yes. create the accountability yes. Yes. to follow through. Yes. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay, good. Well, I hope that's useful. This is a very, very common question. And if you don't know about upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels, as always, you can take the quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com, and you will learn all about the four tendencies. Coming up, I give myself a fancy dress-related demerit. But first, this break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has Greenlight, and one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one-time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. 
They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Okay, it's time for demerits at Gold Stars. And this week, Elizabeth, it's your turn for a demerit. All right. Well, Gretchen, um, recently we had our school's big annual fundraiser, and it's the 75th anniversary of the school. Wow. So this year it was black tie. Oh, my God. So it's usually just sort of more cocktail, but yeah. this is black tie. And all the women seemed like all the women said they're wearing floor length dresses. Okay. And I don't, I didn't own a floor at length because um, <laughs> I never go to formal things like that. Yeah. Um, so I, ha- I knew for months, months, probably six months that I had to get a floor length dress. Well, guess where this is going? Yeah. I put it off and put it off and put it off. And then like, you know, 10 days before the event, there I am shopping for a dress um, and you just, it was such a disaster because I was like in such a panic. Yeah. Um, when you buy a formal dress, you also might need tailoring, you know? Mm. So it was like, not only did I have to buy the dress, I then had knew I had to have time to get it tailored. And I wanted to do rent the runway, Gretch. I oh, thought, oh, yeah, what's just where you rent a dress and it's a lot cheaper because I figured I'll only wear this dress once. But by the time I focused in on this task, it was really too late to do Rent the Runway. Um, so I had to buy a dress. Um, now, the the happy part of the story is I got a dress. Um, and Miracle of Miracles, it doesn't even need to be tailored. Ah. It fits. So um, it's not a size 6, by the way. For everyone following my journey to a size 6, it's not a size 6, but it is a size 8. So Oh, wow. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting Good. there. I'm getting there. But anyway, that's my happiness to merit. I knew I needed this dress. I could have started shopping at any time. I did not. And um, I paid the price. But you know what? I think it's part of being an underbuyer because you and I are both underbuyers. And I think underbuyers tend to put things off as long as possible. I do this even with seasonal things where it's like, mm. it's already cold. It's November. It's December. Why am I waiting till January to buy like a matching pair of mittens? And I think yes. that underbuyers just like there's just sort of this reluctance to to kind of delve in. Um, and it feels like, oh, am I going to have to go to like three different stores? Am I going to have to go to the tailor? It's just like, right. ugh, I don't even. And, and then it's, just, but then it's like buying an airplane ticket. The longer you wait, the worse it gets. Yes. And now we, I will say, in this case, I was losing weight, so it wouldn't have been good if I bought it five ooh, months ago. Ooh. But I could have bought it a month ago. Oh yeah. You know. Right. Oh. So. Well, lesson um, learned. Lesson learned. But Gretchen, what is your gold star this week? So. Um, my gold star goes to um, my high school friends, a group of my high school friends, and I have gotten together three times. And the gold star goes to us because we have inched our way to a standardized vacation. You know, in episode ah. 158, we talked about why stand- standardized vacations can work really well for families or groups. 
And we Explain sort of, what that is, because okay, I don't know if everyone knows. So a standardized vacation is when, if you have a group of people, you sort of say, like, we're going to, like, Elizabeth, you and I did this for several years. We were like, we're always going to go on a, a vacation with our two families on President's Weekend. And mm-hmm. it was like, we just set that aside. You just planned on it. Um, and like, you know, and it can be totally standardized. Like we go to the same place, the same, you know, and you bought, you rent the van and I buy the groceries mm-hmm. or it can be like, it's going to be for this weekend or whatever, um, as standardized as you want. But the idea is like the more standardized it is, the the less coordination you have mm-hmm. to do. And then the more like people can plan around it. And so then you don't have unnecessary conflicts and, and kind of people know what to expect. And then you also know, at the very least, I will see people at this interval, even if I don't see them in between. There's, it just makes the decision fatigue of making plans. Because things that can happen at any time often happen at no times. You've experienced right. this with your New York friends. You could go to New York yes. at any time. You could see your friends at any time. I, I want to have uh, a, a dinner party for six people. I could do that anytime. Have I done right. it yet? No, I have not. Right. This right. standardized vacation. It's like this is what this happens the last weekend in August. We go for Labor Day weekend. You know, we yes. do this every August. What you know, as standardized as it is, the less decision that has to go into it. So we have evolved into now. We have a standardized vacation, which is we're going to do it every two years at the end of April because we've nice. kind of experimented enough that we're like, okay, we have it. We're going to go to a different city, but we have our standardized time slot. And that is going to be enormously uh, helpful as we make plans together. It would have been easier if we'd started out that way. We had to kind of evolve into it, uh-huh. but now we're there. So gold star to oh, all of good. us. Um, because well, I love seeing the pictures. Of oh, good. You yes. And your high school friends. It was tons of fun. And I love to reconnect. There's, there's, what do they say? Make old friends, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver. The other is gold. And <laughs> there's right. nothing like high school friends. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Go someplace alone. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and where you went by yourself. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed. Also, thanks to our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like this show, you know what to do. Please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. As I've been on my book tour, so many people have come to an event and they're like, I'm here with my friend and my friend is the one who introduced me to your books or introduced me to the podcast. And I always say to the person, you get a gold star for being the recommender. Mm -hmm. You get a gold star. Uh, The resources for this week. If you are a reader and you would like to get more regular book recommendations, each month I write a blog post about what I've read for the month, and I occasionally write lists of recommended books on different topics. So if you want to make sure you get these in your email inbox, go to GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter. It's tricky. GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter. And after you put in your email address, select book recommendations and any other newsletter you want. And also, I know people are interested in the PDFs of all the Try This at Home topics. I have recently updated this. So if you go to GretchenRubin.com resources, you can get an updated list of all the Try This at Home tips that we've talked about. Gold star for that, Gretchen. <laughs> you know next, I want it. Yeah. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us on Word and Upward. So Elizabeth, you know, this is episode 222. That that seems lucky to me. 
I know what's crazy is think about how many more episodes we'll have done to get to 333. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. From the Onward Project. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. <laughs> 